Got your bourbon? Yep. Right. Got that. Yep. I added a little Pepsi to it. Um, yeah, that works. Just because, you know, I think I poured a little too much because I don't think we're supposed to pour this much. Uh, no, about a finger is good. Uh, it's so like, like two fingers, yeah, at least. Just a finger. Like this? No, like if you just put your finger next to it, like. Oh, that, got you. That's a finger. Okay. Oh, well, then I, I did good. Yeah. But I mean that that's a pretty white glass too, so I mean it's a little bit <laughs> it is a white glass. Um but yeah, I usually you can put a little bit of water in there, it kinda opens it up a little bit. Yeah, I got some water just in case because I uh I assume I'll be drunk by the end yeah, of this. You're gonna want to drink that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. What is up everybody? Welcome to the All Punked Up Podcast. I'm Tyler Winners, John Peterman is here, and today we are going to discuss a few things. One of those things is about the red hot chili peppers not satisfying their fans. And John, as you know, you know how important it is to satisfy someone. Yeah. Did they finish the show too quickly? Is that what happened? <laughs> yes. I think yeah, they did. Yeah. yeah, that that that's what it was. Uh but there's more to it than that. A lot of drama. A lot of drama in there. But also, there was news this week that seemed a little bizarre, and I want to know if you think the same. Basically, this band canceled itself. It sounds weird, but... Novel strategy. I'm going to fill you in. Then, John, I want to get your thoughts on the future of music, since AI seems to be taking over. And finally, we'll close this one out with what goes on behind the scenes for songwriters in the form of compensation. And spoiler, it's not good. Not a good thing. It never is. Nope. All right, so... John, let's kick things off with some news about the Red Hot Chili Peppers. It appears that their fans were left super upset after one of the band's concerts. So the boys are currently out on a global stadium tour right now promoting their new album. But after making a stop in Sydney, Australia and playing their gig, fans were left in disappointment because even though their set included a mix of old and new songs, a lot of fans felt they didn't play enough of their hits. And I guess it was so bad, John, that some fans voiced their displeasure on social media, as we do nowadays. That's just the norm. And some even vowed to never see the band perform again. So, John, a band as old as Red Hot Chili Peppers should know that most people come to their shows to hear the hits. True. Like, well, and especially on a different continent where you're probably oh. not playing as often. Like it's not a, uh, right. You know, it's not a city they're visiting every year. You got to take yeah. that into consideration a little bit. Yeah, that makes this story even worse. Uh, when you've been around as long as they have, I mean, you have to play all your hits. I don't even well, care. You don't if you're have right. to, but. but you should. And to be honest, I'd be pissed too, though. Like, I think all the fans have a right to be pissed because apparently they didn't even play Under the Bridge, which is arguably their biggest hit. Sure. Like, how are you not going to play your biggest hit? Oh, maybe they're tired of playing it. I, that dude. Okay. Well, I mean, they could do the Billy Joel method and just stop making new music. And then all you do is, you know, you play your crowd pleasing (laughs) sets. Nothing but nostalgia from there. Correct. But dude, like he had the decency to stop making music, and he just plays. He just rolls out the hits. Like I hate hearing the excuse that bands give, like when they hate playing certain songs. Like, Mm -hmm. like boo fucking who? Like you get paid to play music. Like I pay you. You, Yeah, dance for me, clown. 
you are basically working for me because I paid to come to your show. Like, I want to hear Under the Bridge, damn it. Like, yeah. play the damn hits. Play the heroin songs. Yeah. Okay, so that got me thinking. Like, what's the worst show you've ever been to? Or oh. the concert you went to that left you less than satisfied? Oh, God, I got dragged to some Dave Matthews concerts. They're pretty bad. Okay, I went to that. Wait, plural? Because I went to one with you. Yeah, I, I think I went to two. Or it felt like oh. two. Maybe okay. it was just I, one. You know, I was pleasantly surprised by that one. I had a good time. I was dancing a lot, and I'm not a dancer. Uh, yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't enjoy that. A lot of weed. A lot of weed was there. Well, that. yeah, a lot of bros. Mine is probably that Fallout Boy show that we saw in like 2002, 2003, or whatever. Um, but we've oh, talked about I that. Think, they played. Uh, they played terribly. Sunday was so strong. I think it saved it for me, but. Yeah, I was more of a Fallout Boy fan at that time, and just they were playing absolutely terrible. Couldn't tell which songs were um, yeah, was they were playing. That that one takes the cake for me, but I couldn't really think of any other ones. Um, that was really my chance to go at Pete once too. I didn't, I, you know, I didn't follow you, through. You could have probably easily found him, you know, yeah. out back somewhere. Well, I didn't want to go to jail in Sage. No, no, it's not the best good, part of town. No, it's not a good place for me. Well, John, here's another weird one. Uh, okay. We all know we're in this cancel culture world, right? Uh, so, yes. Well, usually in most cases, uh, you get canceled by somebody. Like, you don't cancel yourself. Well, that's exactly what happened to one band last week. The band is Worst Party Ever, mm -hmm. which might be one of the worst names ever, but they decided them to while do... They're down, yeah. I know. <laughs> That's what I do. Uh, but they decided to do what seemed to be cancel themselves after their front man made the choice to cancel the band's tour due to his toxic behavior. So the gist of all this is basically he admitted to manipulative behavior, lying mm -hmm. and infidelity in his relationships. He admits that he caused pain and trauma to his partners he stated that he will now focus on therapy and self-improvement, taking accountability for his actions. So, John, this dude basically cheats on two different people and decides to cancel the band's tour. Now, unless he is really dealing with some mental health stuff, and, and he could be, but it, from the surface of what this was, it doesn't seem like it. But regardless, because of all this, this seems like a really poor reason to just make the rest of the band suffer because you were cheating i mean yeah cheating is bad obviously but it's not necessarily cancel worthy right unless there's more to the story because maybe there is yeah i don't know it's not really fair to the other bandmates for sure well, especially if that's plus, their you know way of making a living plus apparently they had already sold uh tour tickets so there are some fans that are just you know they have to get refunds and all that stuff but the whole thing just seems like a really odd decision. Like, yeah, and then to publicize it. Right. Like, what's what? Like, I think most people, most fans in the scene couldn't care less. Yeah. I mean, it, my day was unaffected when I <laughs> yeah, read the right. news. But. Right. Like, if you read that, uh, you know, Patrick Stump of Fallout Boy cheated on his significant other, like, if you had tickets to a show, you're probably still going to go see the show and have the same amount of fun as you would had you not known that information. So yeah. I don't know. I think that's weird. Unless there's more to the story, like if 
those partners of his were going to come out and say, I don't know. So maybe he just tried to get ahead of it and who knows? I don't know. The whole thing just seems weird. So yeah, I thought I'd share no it. animals involved or anything weird. I mean, no, yeah. <laughs> thank goodness. No. Okay. So John, let's move on. Let's discuss something real quick. I'm wondering if the future of music is upon us. Like we're in it like right now. We all know that AI is a big deal and it's going to single-handedly change how we all get and even create information because we're seeing it in practice right now. Like this is the hottest thing happening in the world of tech. And honestly, guys, if you haven't been following like the rise of AI, artificial intelligence, it's something that you should definitely start paying attention to because it is probably the biggest thing since the internet. So AI is a big deal right now because it can pretty much do anything, especially when it comes to music. Can it love? Not yet. Yes. Not yet. Can't do everything, can it? It's, you know, artificial emotional ability is on its way, I feel. Uh. But when it comes to music, like it can write lyrics, Mm -hmm. but not only can it write lyrics, but it can write them in the style of a particular artist. Uh, you can even tell the AI to write lyrics on a particular subject. Uh, not only that, but there is AI out there that can mimic the voice of a particular artist or person. And we've seen things similar to this, like with deep fakes and stuff yeah, like that. That's what I was just going to say. There's been a lot of fake videos with. Right. Right. And it's only getting better and better. So. I'm bringing this up because David Guetta, an EDM artist, uh, has put this AI stuff to work. This week, he shared a clip of himself performing somewhere in in front of a sea of people, and he was playing a song he created featuring Eminem. However, Eminem himself was not technically on the track. It was just his voice. And I'm going to go ahead and play a clip of that real quick. This is the future rave sound. I'm getting lost in an underground. This is the future rave sound. I'm getting lost in an underground. Eminem, bro. There's something that I made as a joke, and it works so good I could not believe it. I discovered those websites that are about uh, AI. Basically, you can write lyrics in the style of any artist you like. So I typed, write a verse in the style of Eminem about future rave. And I went to another AI website that can recreate the, vo- the voice. I put the text in that and I played the record and people went nuts. I mean, they didn't go nuts until the little uh, 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 uh part started. <laughs> well, that's true. Regardless if it was good or not, like if it got the crowd hyped or whatever, It is what it is. But so he had an AI write lyrics in the style of of Eminem. Then he took those lyrics and he went to another AI website and had a voice or his voice artificially altered to sound like Eminem. And John, from that clip, I mean, it sounded like Eminem, right? Close enough. Like, I think that, dude, I honestly think this is the most wild thing There is right now. And I do wonder if this is sort of the future of music. Like, obviously, he can't release this type of stuff commercially without Eminem's consent. 
Uh, no artist would be able to do this uh, with any other artist uh, artificially inserted into their song. But this is crazy. Like it, it did sound exactly like Eminem. Do you see this or some form of this being the future of music? Yeah, I mean, it could really cause some complications as far as, you know, uh, rights and things like that. And, oh, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, you definitely would have to get consent. You need, there'd have to be contracts, you know, signed and stuff like that. It, it, would, it would be like they currently do it now to where it would be a feature. Yeah. Now, whether I mean, they need to show up or not. Royalties when somebody does something in the style of your voice. I mean, yeah. But I like, mean, if you're it, sampled in a song, you get royalties from that. So, right. And I think uh, Rick Astley is suing some rapper because apparently his voice was mimicked during uh, one of their songs. So he's trying to get some royalties from that, or he's at least suing uh, for copyright infringement there. Yeah, I don't know. If you can mimic it yourself without. The aid of artificial intelligence, I feel like you shouldn't have to, unless you're quoting lyrics or something like that. Right. Didn't John Fogarty uh, run into some issue with that, like where his label prevented him? So after Credence Clearwater, uh, I think he tried to release some solo stuff and his label sued him because he sounded too much like himself basically so i know he got in trouble for like playing credence songs and stuff like that but i'm maybe maybe i don't know but dude like imagine this like this ai stuff like imagine someone like bob dylan who his voice isn't what it once was like he could potentially use this type of technology to create music that sounds more like the music of his prime or his the voice of his prime Mm. You know, like, or, or, uh, what about like an old band? Like, let's say the Beatles or something like, what if it's a way to remaster vocals in a way? Like I can see some really cool stuff happening because of this, or maybe like, what if, I don't know, like, what about taking like the Beatles yesterday song and instead of Paul McCartney singing it, have Ringo sing it. My God. Or John Lennon. Or, now you're just you know, playing God. But wouldn't that be kind of cool to get like a different kind of perspective? Because, dude, David Guetta just showed us like that sounded exactly like Eminem. Exactly. Mm. So, I mean, the technology's there and it's pretty damn good. Yeah, it's already pretty good. I mean, it's only going to get better, too. So, yeah, I, exactly. I mean, I feel like it's come a long way since, you know, over you know, the last few months, a lot of cool stuff happening, man. Like I, I really think AI is seriously the biggest thing since the internet. Like uh, this is going to be wild. It's all good until it becomes self-aware. Oh, well that, and I mean, obviously there's a lot of bad that can come with this. Like I'm not, I've but seen there movies. is a lot of cool, cool stuff that, that can happen too. So, all right. So John, there was a Rolling Stone article that I came across this week that caught my eye. And I want to share this because it's a really good look at what goes on behind the scenes for songwriters. And I think we can all agree the songwriters are basically the backbones of the entire music industry. Other like, than arguably, bass players, yeah. <laughs> right. Of course. Yeah, of course. Um, but they are the best players in the game and often arguably probably more important than the artists themselves singing the song. Like when you really think about it, mm. obviously the artist can take it to another level, but if it wasn't for the song to begin with, you know, 
R.I.P. Burt Bacharach, too. Yep. Rest in peace. Uh, so Miss you, buddy. <laughs> like you knew him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this article was basically about how songwriters are really struggling. And nowadays, we know that streaming services do not pay out a lot per stream. Like, we've talked about that a ton on this podcast. But mm-hmm. the details this article provides or provided really open your eyes to really how bad it really is. So get this, like here are a few examples. Uh, Songwriter Kimberly Kreshik, I don't know if I'm saying that last name right, but she thought she was getting her big break when Ariana Grande's album Sweetener uh, featured one of the songs that she wrote called Better Off, and it ended up being track number 12 on that album. The article says the first royalty check she received for Better Off was for a total of $2,000. Nice. And over the four years since, an additional $16,000 has trickled in, even though she has 40% of the writing credit for the song, which is an unusually high percentage in modern pop. So usually there's about 40 songwriters. Right. Especially Mm -hmm. nowadays. Look at a Beyonce credit. It's like yep. 38 people. Yeah, I think Dionne Warwick or something was, I don't know if it was her, but she came out and said, like, how are there eight songwriters on one song? Yeah, yeah. she had Burt Backrack and Hal David. <laughs> Wait, did she really? Two, yeah. yeah uh, Burt Backrack wrote a lot of her songs, yeah. Oh, that I did not know. Oh, connected. Oh, interesting. It's all there connected. So the article goes on to say that the same songwriter spent two years co-writing R&B singer Brandy's 2020 album and only made $4,000 total. Damn you, Brandy. (laughs) But uh, she was also one of the co-writers on Ariana Grande's Thank You Next, and she was given a $26,000 check for that one. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was her biggest check yet. But, dude, as big as that song was, uh, that's... $26,000 $26,000 isn't putting a lot of food on the table. Like nope. if, if that was your only hit for the year, you know, $26,000 a year is nothing. So, yeah. well, I mean, if these people were just better looking, you know, <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't the have to suffer so much. Yeah. <laughs> so they could be out in front of, yeah, of the song. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's all looks game right now. Yes. This is only hurting the ugly songwriter. <laughs> John's hot take. Yeah. I'm not saying they're ugly. I, you're, but I think you are. No. Well, what are you saying? It's it's inferred that they're ugly because they're not getting paid and they're not performing. Their so own you're song. saying you're saying you're saying if they were good looking, correct, they wouldn't need to be writing songs for That's right. other people. Yeah, they'd, they'd be, be writing them for shit. themselves. Yep. <laughs> and then their paychecks would be bigger. So you're saying what you are saying is songwriters need to be hotter. Yeah, I mean, I think if if you had like a a, a bell curve of songwriters, they're going to be right in the, like a five. Okay. Uh, okay. Fair enough. Right in the middle. Not not offensively ugly. Just somewhere in the middle. Just somewhere in the middle. Like you, if you're walking past them on the street, you wouldn't give them a second. Look. No, you're not going to. You're just going to be. Oh. Yeah, it's just normal. You're, yes. you're just you're not you're not feeling like they're re- they're requiring any more of your attention. No, basically. I mean you're just going to keep on walking. Yeah, yeah. gotcha. Just your yeah. your run of the mill, average looking people. Yeah, just they're nothing special. Basically, is what you're no, saying. No, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> when it comes to the looks, though, 
They're nothing special. Yeah, I mean, they're not marketable. Okay, gotcha. Okay, fair enough. I, I think mean, they have solved this. They issue. have value. Clearly, you know, just not in the face department. <laughs> okay, so here's another example. There's one songwriter who reported. My God, has... cut all that out. <laughs> no, we're keeping some of that. Oh Jesus. Uh, there's one songwriter who has some big songs under his belt, and his name wasn't reported uh, in this article, but he has Unfortunately, to work... it's a 48 waste. <laughs> but he has to work in the kitchen of a restaurant in order to make ends meet. He lives and in a bell tower. He has, he has big songs under this belt. Uh, and finally, the other example that this article gives is, according to songwriter Emily Warren... One of her songwriter friends who co-wrote Dua Lipa's breakthrough hit, New Rules, we all remember how big that one was, mm -hmm. she had to quit the industry by the time that song came out in 2017. She was working as a waitress, and it took that song's massive success to bring her back into the industry. So Warren yep. says another songwriter friend of hers has Grammy Awards, hundreds of millions of streams, and he drives Uber to pay rent. Like, John, let's be real here. Like, like when it's all said and done, everything that we just talked about, minus, you know, their appearance, True. like, well, which, doesn't including, matter. <laughs> which actually including what we talked about, it's absolutely fucked up. Like these songwriters are only making the big label heads rich. Like it's they're taking the a huge ass percentage. Like this is crazy. So, I mean, dude, what do you think of this? Like, is this surprising to you? Not at, at all. all. No. I mean, I knew... It's always the little people that suffer. I mean, I knew the artists kind of had it bad uh, when it came to streaming, but I don't think people really think about everybody else who wrote that song. I mean, it's clear that getting your song on an album as a deep cut isn't what it once was because it used to be a huge deal. Like, you didn't even have to write the main hit on an album. You could have written song number 12 and... It barely get listened to, and you'd get a big payday if it was on a great yeah. album. Yeah, I think the streaming of specific songs is probably hurting you. Yeah, I, it's just a different world we live in, and I don't know like what the real answer is. Um, I think streaming right now isn't gonna. It's obviously not gonna go anywhere because that's what the people want, the consumers want. I just think it just sucks to be a songwriter at this yeah. point in I time. Mean, I and, think most people aren't even aware that you know that there's this huge team of people writing the songs that they like. They just listen to them and don't give it a second thought. Yeah. Which is, I mean, totally flip flopped from how it used to be. I mean, the songwriters got all the royalties back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. There was, um, let me go to this article real quick. Uh, okay. It says singer, songwriter, producer, Matthew Coma recalls moving to LA as a teenager in the mid aughts. And, meeting veteran songwriters who bragged of deep cut riches from writing some track eight or nine for Whitney Houston, citing, I made $700,000 off that song. So they had track eight or nine, which wasn't a single on a Whitney Houston album. Mm -hmm. And they made $700,000 off well, that I mean, song. Just a lot more album sales back then. I think it's probably the big, you know, physical media too. Yep. I mean, it was just a different animal back then. So, it's like the music industry, like it sounds like it sucks, dude, for definitely for, I mean, for artists, but definitely for songwriters. Mm. Like, how are they making ends meet? Unless you had big paydays back in the day. Like, I don't understand how you're, how you're making ends meet. This is, that's crazy.
absolutely crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's not like they can sell their catalog like the the big artists are doing, where they're selling their whole. No, but did you hear that Michael Jackson's estate might be selling his um, his song catalog for nine hundred million dollars? It's a lot of money. That is a lot, almost a billion dollars. I mean, if anybody's going to sell it, it's going to be sell for that much. It's going to be Michael Jackson. But mm-hmm. wow, that is insane. All right, guys, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're really digging our show, please consider helping us spread the word and leaving us a review in Apple Podcasts and or on Spotify. A five-star review would be greatly appreciated, and please let us know what you're liking most about this show and also what you'd like to hear more of. So with that, thanks again, and remember, spread love. Peace.